Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the goddamn middle. Dion Tyree Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. 24 hours ago, I was on the verge of spontaneous human combustion. I'm still trying to piece my life back together. After the 49ers 13-10, heart-stopping, edge-of-your-seat, blood-pressure-raising, alcohol-inducing, stress-eating victory against the Green Bay Packers in that divisional playoff game yesterday. What the hell was that? Did that really happen? Did that game really go the way it went? The level of joy and euphoria and jubilance I've experienced in the aftermath of that game and the way it closed out, the way it finished in that fourth quarter, the last five minutes of that game was just too much. It was too much. I lost my voice in the last five minutes of this game. My voice cracked. When Jordan Willis blocked that punt and Talanoa Hafunga picked it up and ran it into the end zone for the 49ers' only touchdown in the game, I felt like it sounded like I went through puberty again. My voice dropped a few octaves on that play. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I jumped out of my seat. I looked like an old black lady in church. I was testifying. I felt the Holy Ghost watching that game. I felt the Holy Ghost watching that game. That was a spiritual experience yesterday watching that game. And I posted this on Facebook in the aftermath of the game. I love this team. I know I had critical, harsh things to say about this team in the beginning of the season, and it was all warranted. It was all deserved. When you're 3-5 and five and you're not playing the right people and you're not staying true to your identity as a football team and you're making boneheaded decisions and mistakes and when you're losing the teams you have no business losing to, when you're getting mollywopped and decimated by the Arizona Cardinals' backups at home in a game that I attended, when the season is going the way it was going early in the season, there's, not a, there's no one on this earth. I don't give a fuck how much of a 49er fan you are. You cannot look at me in the eye with the utmost integrity and sincerity and say you thought things were going well and you thought that team that got put on a leash and taken for a walk by Colt McCoy and James Conner was going to find itself in the NFC Championship game a few months later, was going to turn it around from being 3-5 and five to 9-2 and two ever since. Almost every 49er fan was downtrodden and feeling a sense of despair with the way the season was going, this team was too talented to be 3-5 and five and in the cellar of the NFC West. But here they are because of the amount of talent they got. And like I said, I know I said on this podcast, into this microphone, a lot of inflammatory things about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I apologize. I was wrong. I went on this podcast and I publicly advocated for the firing and dismissal of Kyle Shanahan. Because at that point, once again, it was warranted. It was deserved. You're 3-5. and five. You have a career win-loss record of 33-41. and 41. You're not getting the job done. You're only in one winning season at that point in time. You're not, you're not winning games. You're not getting the job done. He deserved to be called out for that hideous game plan he put together for Trey Lance against Arizona and Trey Lance's first NFL start. He deserved to get called out for the offense's inability to score touchdowns, to score points, period, in the first half of games. He deserved to get called out for the player personnel decisions, for people like Muhammad Sanu and Travis Benjamin and Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick to be on the field in place of people like Jawan Jennings and Trent Sherfield and Diamondor Lenore and Ambry Thomas 
who should have been on the field. Dante Johnson as well. When this team was 3-5, and five, they deserved every single piece of slander and disrespect and criticism that they got from people like me and many others. It was all justified. But now, you know, I'm a firm believer, if you're going to criticize someone, you have to give them credit. And I, I don't mind doing that. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch got their shit together. In particular, Kyle Shanahan, he's the head coach, pulled his head out of his ass and it started with that November 10th Monday night game against the L.A. Rams where we got back to the true identity of the San Francisco 49ers with Kyle Shanahan as head coach. Run the ball and everything else will fall into place. Run first, punch people in the mouth, be physical with a point of attack, establish a line of scrimmage, and kick somebody's ass. That's how we win football games out here. That's how we get the job done. Came out early in the season, a lot of empty back formations, spread offense, four, five receiver sets, trying to showcase Jimmy Garoppolo. It didn't work out. It wasn't working. The team was, was losing football games. Got back, got back to basics, got back to the fundamentals, the foundation of the 49ers, and it's been downhill ever since. Nine and two ever since that disastrous three and five start. And now here we are in the NFC Championship game. I love this team. I posted that on Facebook last night in the immediate aftermath. There's a reason why the majority of these podcasts have been about the San Francisco 49ers because this is my favorite sport, football, the NFL. This is my favorite team, and this is my favorite thing on this earth to talk about, the San Francisco 49ers. There is really no other conversation I look more forward to having than a conversation about the San Francisco 49ers. I could literally talk about this team all day, past, present, and future. The current incarnation of this team and the men who played for this team 20, 30, 40 years ago. It doesn't matter to me. This is my favorite subject of conversation, favorite topic of discussion, the San Francisco 49ers. I love this team. And this 2021-2022 team, yes, I criticized them in the first two months of the season. But the way this team has come together, the way this team has galvanized and fought and battled the grit, the determination, the heart, the passion, the resolve, the resiliency of these 49ers to overcome the odds all season and get to this point in the NFC Championship game as a fan, I couldn't possibly ask for more. It's inspiring to watch this team play football. It's literally a next man up mentality. Dante Johnson had to fill in for Ambry Thomas a couple of hours before the game. Ambry Thomas was on the inactive list a few hours before kickoff, and Dante Johnson fills in and does so admirably. Does a tremendous job yesterday. Jordan Willis, an afterthought, a guy we picked up from the New York Jets, blocks the punt that leads to the only touchdown in the game. Tawanoa Hafunga recovers it, a fifth-round draft pick. Samson Ebukam, Charles Amenahu. Amenahu was a, a trade with the Houston Texans for a sixth-round draft pick. He's been awesome. He, he's helped us out tremendously this season as part of that defensive line rotation. All 53 men on this roster have contributed to this team getting to this point. Trey Lance starting and beating the Houston Texans. People try to downplay that game. Oh, it was just against Houston. That game don't matter. That game mattered. Coming off that Tennessee loss, the Niners kind of had to win that game. And this guy goes out there in his second career NFL start and leads this team to victory. That was a big deal. Without that Houston win, we're not here right now. Who knows what would have happened? New Orleans would have made the playoffs, probably. 
if we don't beat the Houston Texans, if Trey Lance doesn't play the way he played in that Houston Texans game, I love this team. The late season emergence of Jawan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk being in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse for the first two months of the season. Look how well both of those brothers have played the last two months of the season. The last two months of the season, the 49ers have been the best team in pro football. Debo Samuel, if you listen to the podcast, you already know how I feel about that brother. He is the best player in the National Football League. I'll say it one more time, this time with more emphasis. Tyshawn, Raekwon, Debo, Samuel is the best fucking football player alive right now. He is the best player in the National Football League. Go argue with someone who gives a damn. Go argue with your mother. You argue with me, I will cuss you the fuck out and prove you wrong on this. Debo Samuel is the best player in the National Football League and should be the front runner for NFL 2021 League MVP. With all apologies to AAA Ron Rodgers, immunized Aaron, throw Rogan. More on him later. Trust me, more on that. With all apologies and all praises due to Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, with apologies to Cooper Cup, with apologies to Jonathan Taylor from the Indianapolis Colts, Debo Samuel is the best football player in the league and should be the league MVP. The Niners are not on the cusp of reaching their eighth Super Bowl in franchise history, if not for the contributions and the efforts of Tyshawn, Raekwon, Debo, Samuel. Point blank fucking period. I love this team. This team was six-point underdogs going on the road to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in a hostile environment, in the hollowed grounds of Lambeau Field, on the road against the number one seed in all of the NFL, the 13-4 Green Bay Packers with the guy who will more than likely win league MVP, Aaron Rodgers, a.k.a. Throw Rogan, and Devontae Adams. And Matt LaFleur is the head coach. And all the players that, all the players that were coming back for the Packers, Zadarius Smith came back, Jair Alexander, all these guys came back. They got Kenny Clark up front. They got a stacked roster. They got a good-ass team. Lazard, Valdez Scantling. This is a hell of a football team. Aaron Jones in the backfield. This team, once again, dominated the NFC North. They were the clear front runners. Everyone already penciled them in to represent the National Football Conference in Super Bowl 56. How could this team possibly lose? They're a six-point favorite. They're at home. It's cold. It's sub-zero temperatures. It's, it's going to snow. There's snow in the forecast. There's no way that a West Coast team could come in from San Francisco or, more specifically, Santa Clara, California, and go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and play against the Green Bay Packers on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field with snow in the forecast and sub-zero temperatures and come out with a victory. There's no way. It's inconceivable. That can't happen. The Packers are going to win this game. This is a shoe-in. This is a landslide. Name the score. You know, the Packers are going to beat the 49ers 35-0. They're going to run the 49ers off the field. There's no way. The 49ers shouldn't even show up. They should do themselves a favor, save themselves the embarrassment and public humiliation, and don't even bother. Just don't even get on the plane to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Don't even show up for the game. Save yourself. Spare yourself the embarrassment. There's no way. This is an easy win for the Green Bay Packers. Everything was lined up for them. 
You got it all in your favor. The opposing quarterback is the abysmal Jimmy Garoppolo. How does Aaron Rodgers lose that game yesterday? How does Aaron Rodgers lay down and choke and fail once again in the month of January the way he did yesterday? How do he miss all those open receivers? How do he get his ass kicked like that? His defense only gave up six points. The Niners' only touchdown was on special teams. And the Packers' special teams is the worst in the NFL. That was a concern coming into the game. Ranked 32 out of 32 teams in the National Football League. But you got Aaron Rodgers. Who cares about special teams? All those guys do is kick and run. You don't need them to win games. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have the greatest thrower of football we've ever seen. You have Aaron Rodgers. And you're going up against Jimmy Garoppolo. And you're going up against that West Coast team. A bunch of pretty boys from California. They're soft. It, I live in the Bay Area. It don't snow out here. You ain't got to deal with no sub-zero temperatures out here in the California Bay Area. The coldest it might get is like 45 degrees. It's 45 degrees outside and people bitching, moaning, and complaining about it out here. I'm from Maryland. I'm from the East Coast. I know what cold feels like. People out here will fucking shit themselves if it was ever zero degrees and snowing. Like it was last night in Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's no way a team from Santa Clara, California, a bunch of West Coast pretty boys can go on the road and win a game in Green Bay, Wisconsin against those tough guys from the Midwest on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. All the analysts, all the experts, all the so-called experts pick Green Bay to win. The Niners, it's a nice story. They're a wild card team. Didn't even win their own division. They got to go on the road for every playoff game. They barely got by Dallas last week. You know, the biggest story coming out of that game was how Dallas lost the game. It wasn't about how San Francisco won the game. It was about how Dallas lost the game. Oh, Dak Prescott was an idiot at the end of the game. Mike McCarthy should get fired. They choked. They failed. The Niners had nothing to do with that win last week versus Dallas. Dallas just laid down and handed the game to the 49ers. The 49ers suck. How'd they even win that game? Oh, Dallas just lost it and let them win. The little engine that could, the San Francisco 49ers, the Bay Area's only professional football team. Let's make sure we make that clear. The Bay Area's only, one and only professional football team, the San Francisco 49ers, the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk, the Legion of Doom, the San Francisco 49ers kicked the shit out of the Dallas Cowboys last week and publicly castrated the Green Bay Packers last night. That was beautiful. And in particular, all praises due. Give all, call 1-800-Flowers and order a bouquet of roses to be sent to D'Amico Ryans, who should be getting all types of offers to be a head coach in the National Football League as we speak. I think he had an interview today with Minnesota he should have an interview with every team that has a coaching vacancy right now. D'Amico Ryans should be at the forefront of every team's coaching search right now. That defense was excellent last night. That defense played out of their fucking mind. Those brothers came to work last night in the coordination of the defense by the defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. You couldn't ask for anything better. The way he mixed up coverages, the blitzes that he brought. Showing blitz, but not bringing pressure. Everything. It was perfect. It was art. That was mastery last night that you saw from D'Amico Ryans in that game against the number one offense, the number one quarterback we've ever seen. Throw Rogan, a.k.a. Immunized Aaron, a.k.a. 
Aaron Rodgers. Jeopardy question, since he likes to host Jeopardy every now and then. This quarterback is severely overrated, routinely gets his ass kicked in January, and is 0-4 versus San Francisco 49ers. Who is Aaron Rodgers? Correct answer. Who is Aaron Rodgers? Who the fuck is Aaron Rodgers compared to the 49ers? Nothing. 0-4 lifetime versus the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. You know what? I'm not sure if the Niners actually won that game last night. Maybe it was a false positive. Maybe we got to do some more independent research to figure out if the 49ers won that game last night. I don't know. Ask Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has all the answers. He told he's given medical advice to Aaron Rodgers and many other privileged white boys. Maybe... Maybe, just maybe, Joe Rogan can figure out who won that game last night. And once Joe Rogan decides who won that game last night, that will be the ultimate determining factor. And the NFL can reverse their decision and give it to the Green Bay Packers because if Joe Rogan said it, it must be true. Or at least that's what I've been told. Enough of that, though. Let's get into the actual meat and potatoes of the situation. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about the actual game. Let's hit the table because as we all know, as my grandmother always told me, you can't eat before you set the table first. You must set the table before you sit down and receive nourishment. So let's get it, let's get it popping. Let's go. NFC divisional playoff game. Lambeau Field, historic Lambeau Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin. The road team, the away team, the visiting San Francisco 49ers versus the home team. The number one seed in all of the National Football League, the 13-4 Green Bay Packers, start time 8.15 Eastern Time, 5.15 Pacific, Fox Sports with Troy Aikman and an absolutely terrible Joe Buck on commentary. Let's get into it. Green Bay has the ball first. They march it right down the field and punch it in for six. A nice drive by the Packers that did a good job of mixing the run with the pass. Hit Devon- Rodgers hit Devontae Adams on a nice in-breaking route. Uh, also utilized Aaron Jones up the backfield. A.J. Dillon culminated, culminated the drive with a touchdown run to make a 7-0 Green Bay Packers. Rodgers had plenty of time to throw on his opening drive. The pass rush was not getting there, and that was the biggest reason why they were able to march the ball down the field and punch it in for seven. So nice start for the Green Bay Packers. It wouldn't get much better from there, but 7-0 Packers are out the gates hitting the ground running. 49ers now have possession and gets to a third and 12. Zadarius Smith Coming back off the injury list, absolutely destroys Lakin Tomlinson in route to Jimmy Garoppolo for a sack. Punt team has to come out, quick three and out for the 49ers. Not the ideal start that we're looking for on the road. Next, Green Bay possession. They're moving the football again, and they're absolutely destroying. They're whipping the, the 49ers up front at the line of scrimmage. The Niners are losing the battle at the line of scrimmage to the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay was able to do whatever they wanted to. Run, pass, didn't matter. them doing a good job of mixing things up and moving the football down the field until they get to a little rollout, a little play action rollout with Aaron Rodgers. Completes a pass to the prehistoric Mercedes Lewis, who has the ball punched out by all-world middle linebacker Fred Warner. Causes a fumble, and the Niners recover. The Niners are back in business. Even though they're getting pushed around up front at the point of attack, by Green Bay on both sides of the ball, even though they're off to a bad start on the road, coming into the game, banged up and crippled. Fred Warner limping around with a bad ankle. Nick Bosa just cleared concussion protocol in two days or a day before the game. All this adversity, and the Niners already down 7 nothing. But here, they just caused a fumble. They created a turnover. They're back in business. They got some momentum going. 
On this Niner possession, Jimmy Garoppolo hits Brandon Ayuk on an in-breaking route across the middle. Unfortunately, he loses control of the football. It was ruled on the field a fumble. After further review, it was ruled an incomplete pass, so we caught a break on that one. He didn't make two, two steps or the, the right football move for it to really be a true catch. So it was ruled a fumble. Niners get the ball back. Uh, Jimmy throws a nice post pattern to George Kittle. George Kittle drops it. We're off to a rough start. Uh, no other way to put it. Can't sugarcoat it. Niners are off to a terrible start. Not taking care of the football. Looking lazy and lethargic out there. Getting pushed around up front. Dropping passes. This, that, and the third. And then on third down, third and five, Rashawn Gary, who last night morphed into 1993 Reggie White and completely eviscerated right tackle Tom Compton. Tom Compton last night looked like Mike McGlinchey in pass protection, and that's not a compliment. That's not a good thing at all. Uh, Tom Compton got his lunch money taken. He got choke slammed through a table by Rashawn Gary repeatedly throughout this entire game. Rashawn Gary, as I said, was 1993 Reggie White in this game 24 hours ago. He kicked Tom Compton's ass. Next Green Bay possession, and this start this started to become a trend. The 49er defense held up and forced a three and out. We get the ball right back. And I apologize. I said on the last possessions when Kittle had that drop on that post pattern, it was actually on this possession where you had not one but two back-breaking drops by George Kittle in the post pattern across the middle. He might have scored on this play. He was wide open. There's no one in the middle of the field. And he just dropped it. The ball was a little bit behind him, but – he should have caught that ball. If you get, you know, Randy Moss always says this on ESPN. As a receiver, you're always taught that if you get your hands on the football, you should make the catch. Kittle had two hands on the ball. I think it was like the old, you know, like the late great John Madden would always say. He tried to run before he actually secured the catch. And he took his eyes off the ball and just dropped the, dropped the pass. And then on third down, Jawan Jennings had a ball go right through his hands. He dropped a, a ball that he should have caught, a catch he should have made. So we're coming out just stale, just rusty, just not firing on all cylinders and not playing good football and not, you know, not paying attention to detail. Rough start for the 49ers, but the defense kept holding up. The defense kept making plays, and this was a trend that continued throughout the entire game. The defense kept standing up and answering the challenge and shutting down the Green Bay Packer offense. Now we get to the second quarter, and Jimmy Garoppolo fires a nice out pattern to George Kittle going towards the sideline. Nice well-thrown ball on this one by Jimmy. And Kittle brings it in for the catch, and this was a circus catch, a highlight reel catch. You know, one-handed, spinning, had the presence of mind to get both feet down in bounds and secure possession of the ball and made the catch. It's funny, I made a note of this during the game in the group chat that I'm in. I always laugh when I see a guy fuck up a routine play, like a basketball player that misses a dunk or a layup, or in this case, a football player, a receiver, who drops a wide-open pass, can't make the routine catch, but then turn around and makes a spectacular catch such as this one. I always found that funny how a guy just messes up the easy play, but then does the hard play, the difficult play, at a high level. It makes, it makes the difficult play look easy. That's always been funny to me. But George Kittle, spectacular catch, first down 49ers. We needed this. I think this was the first first down of the game for the 49ers because they got off to an abysmal, a horrible start. 
at the at the onset of this game is couldn't move the football, couldn't sustain drives, couldn't block Rashawn Gary, couldn't stay on the field. They needed this first down to sustain the drive and keep some momentum. This was the first good drive of the game for the 49ers, moving the ball down the field, mixing up running and passing. Jimmy Garoppolo showed a pulse on this drive, that nice throw to Garoppolo, a nice job of stepping up in the pocket and escaping pressure, flipping the ball to Elijah Mitchell, picking up a first down where he had been a fucking statue in the first quarter and getting repeatedly sacked by Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. Showed some athleticism and showed the presence of mind to make a play happen and keep this drive going. Elijah Mitchell got the running game going, started getting Debo Samuel involved into the offense, pitching the ball to him, throwing quick screen passes to him, moving the ball down the field to the five-yard line, where unfortunately, when Elijah Mitchell had a nice carry to get to the five-yard line, uh, my man Trent Williams gets flagged for a holding penalty. So that backs us up five yards, ten yards, excuse me. So now it's first and goal from the 19-yard line. And this, this next play provoked a profanity-laced tirade in my living room as I'm watching what unfolded on my television next, time, situation, and circumstance. It is first in goal, first down, indicating you have more downs after this. You don't need to force anything. You don't need to make a stupid, mind-numbingly, back-breaking, dumbass, boneheaded play. But that's what Jimmy Garoppolo did because that's what Jimmy Garoppolo does about once or twice a week. Jimmy Garoppolo on first down is pressured. Daniel Brunskill gets beaten on this play. Pressure on the interior. Garoppolo escapes it. Good job, Jimmy. Good job. You escape pressure for once. For the second time on this drive, for the second time in this game, avoids the pressure, rolls out of the pocket. George Kittle was wide the fuck open on this play, but Jimmy was under pressure and couldn't get the ball to him. But he decides to force it to him anyway and makes an ill-fated throw doesn't have the arm talent to overcompensate for the fact that he was late on the throw and the ball gets picked off. Time, situation, and circumstance. It's first down. You're in the red zone. You don't need to make this throw. At the very worst, throw it away and live to fight another down. You're 30 years old. You've been in the NFL for eight years. You've been in the system for five years. This is unconscionable. We can't have this in an NFL playoff game. This is inexcusable. We can't do this in a fucking playoff game on the road. You're down 7 nothing. You have an opportunity to tie the football game. It's the end of the first half. Inside of two minutes, you get the ball first to begin the second half. You have an opportunity to potentially go up 14-7. If you score on this drive and then score on the opening drive in the second half, you can now seize momentum and take that momentum away from the Green Bay Packers and apply pressure to them because the pressure is going to be on them. They're the number one seed. They're supposed to win this game. You're the underdog. You're the road team. You're coming in banged up with a bunch of injuries. You yourself are injured, allegedly, with a thumb and with a shoulder. You have to be better than this. One more time, time situation and circumstance you can't be this careless this reckless this fucking stupid with the football you're a friend you're allegedly supposedly a franchise quarterback you're supposed to be that guy you're qb1 for the san francisco 49ers everyone keeps telling me that the rookie trey lance ain't ready 
He can't play in this kind of environment. You have the experience over him. So that means you won't make rookie mistakes. This was a rookie mistake. This was awful. This was almost as bad. This was actually worse, in my opinion, than the pick you threw a week ago against Dallas because you're in the red zone. You're in a scoring area in a tightly contested game in which your defense is carrying the day right now. Your defense has kept this game close because the offense up until this drive did absolutely nothing. You're finally putting together a drive, and this stupid-ass shit happens. And plays like this are the reason why myself and so many others are nervous and trepidatious. This is a football team on every other phase of the team is Super Bowl caliber. It's the one guy, and it's the central figure on the team. It's the most important position in all of sports that gives Niner fans like me the most pause and makes us wonder, can this team go to and finish this time the Super Bowl? Can this team win it this time with that dude at quarterback who has yet to throw a touchdown pass in these playoffs, by the way? He's played two playoff games and is yet to throw a touchdown pass. He's the reason why Niner fans like me are worried and nervous and holding our breath on every single pass attempt. Sometimes you get good Jimmy. More often than not, you get bad Jimmy. This is bad Jimmy. This was a catastrophic mistake, a potentially catastrophic mistake, but he would get bailed out later on, as I'll explain. And Troy Aikman, you know, credit to him, man. Troy Aikman just tells it like it is, man. I've become a huge fan of Troy Aikman on commentary. He does a hell of a job every week. I wish he had a better partner to work with because Joe Buck is fucking garbage. But Troy Aikman gets the job done every week. Just brutally honest. There's no fucks given. This calls people the fuck out. I'm here for it. Called out Jimmy Garoppolo. He even said during the broadcast he got bailed out by his teammates last week. And typically, you don't hear quarterbacks talk about other quarterbacks that way. It's like a fraternity. You don't hear quarterbacks break the quarterback brotherhood and shit on other quarterbacks that way. But Troy Aikman clearly has no more fucks to give, and he will just tell it like it is and just say what needs to be said. It's the truth. He got bailed out last week by his teammates. He got bailed out in this game by his teammates, and that's a throw you can't make. As Troy said during the game, we've seen this before. You can't do that. The stakes are too high. There's too much on the lines, too much at risk right now. At the very least, let's get a field goal out of this. Let's settle for three. Bring out Robbie Gold and get a field goal. But Jimmy tried to force it to George Kittle, who was wide open the entire game, by the way. Let's make sure we point that out. George Kittle, 85, from Madison, Wisconsin, from nearby Madison, Wisconsin, was wide-ass open the entire game. And ended up being the Niners' leading receiver. I felt like he could have had more. Now, I know he had that drop uh, early in the first half that I already talked about. But, you know, throughout the entire game, he was wide open. Jimmy just couldn't get it to him. But, you know, it's a pick. Adrian Amos takes it away from us. Green Bay is in business. And now I'm thinking to myself, okay, Aaron Rodgers, throw Rogan, is about to take them down the field. And they're going to punch it in. They're going to get a, a touchdown out of this. Especially when Rodgers rolls out of the pocket and a flick of the wrist down the field to Aaron Jones. The ball maybe could have been thrown a little bit better, a little bit behind him. He had to kind of slow down, chop his feet up, and to come back and make that catch. But still, it was a big gainer. 
They flip field position and they go from about the their own 15 yard line to the 49ers own 15 the 49ers 15 yard line. So this is a big play. There's about 20 seconds left to go on the clock. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, with Green Bay being who they've been all season and with Aaron Rodgers being who he is, they're going to punch it in. They're at least going to get a field goal out of this. They're going to get something out of this. And just it's going to be a back-breaking, soul-crushing, deflating turn of events and swing of momentum in Green Bay's direction where it could have been 7-7. But instead, Italian Blake Bortles threw a mind-numbingly stupid pick it's going to be 14-0 Green Bay going into the locker room. That's what I'm thinking as this drive is going on. And then Nick Bosa to the rescue. Nick Bosa with pressure off the edge not only gets to Rodgers but causes a fumble with the crown of his helmet, knocks the ball out, Green Bay recovers it, and now they're not even thinking about trying to score a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers purposely sits on the football basically, doesn't even try to get another playoff until about three or four seconds left to go. At the end of the first half, they resigned themselves to settling for a field goal, all because of that play made by Nick Bosa. Concussion protocol all week. Nobody knew if he was even going to play, and yet there he was on the field making plays, kicking ass, taking names, and coming up with a huge sack on this play to derail the Packers' drive and force them to settle for a field goal. God bless Nick Bosa. Save Jimmy Garoppolo's ass on this play. And then on the ensuing field goal attempt, Jimmy Ward gets through and saves Jimmy Garoppolo's ass as well. Jordan Willis cleared the way. And then Jimmy Ward came through and blocked the field goal attempt. So instead of being 14-0 or 10-0 going into half, it's still 7-0. We're in striking distance. This game is still in reach. And I kept telling people in my group chat, and I kept telling other Niner fans that I talked to, this is a very winnable game. Green Bay had an opportunity to bury the 49ers in the first half. They should have done so. They fucked up. You done fucked up, AAA Ron. You should have wiped out the 49ers when you had the chance. You should have put this game away. You should have made it 17, 21, 24 nothing in the first half. You had every opportunity to do so. You didn't do it. It's only 7 nothing. I kept telling people, how many times have we seen the Niners get off to a slow start early in the season in particular and hang around and figure out a way to win games late? We've seen this all year. It's only 7 nothing. It's a one-score, one-possession game. You mean to tell me we can't win this game? As terrible as Jimmy Garoppolo was, even with all the, all the drops by the receivers, even with the running game being stifled somewhat in the first half, even though we have yet to score a point ourselves, you're still in this thing. You're only down 7 to nothing. Come out the locker room for halftime. A nice coaching adjustment by Kyle Shanahan to but Debo Samuel in kick return coverage. What, what can he do? A couple of weeks ago, he threw a touchdown pass. As a matter of fact, Debo Samuel has as many touchdown passes in the last three games as Jimmy Garoppolo does, Debo Samuel has one touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings. Jimmy Garoppolo has one touchdown pass also to Juwan Jennings. Your wide receiver has as many touchdown passes as your starting quarterback. But that's a different story. But great coaching adjustment by Kyle to put Debo back there to return kicks. Brings it out to the 50-yard line because Debo Samuel was awesome and does everything well. 
and this drive featured a heavy dose of Debo Samuel, taking a toss out the backfield, catching a wide receiver screen, moving the ball into the Green Bay Packer red zone, a toss play to Elijah Mitchell, picks up about 10 yards, but he gets flagged for an offensive face mask, 15-yard penalty, completely derails the entire drive, ends up in a third down and 16, and just to be safe because you can't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, you throw a quick screen to Debo Samuel, picks up about 10 yards, gets blasted on this play. He got leveled. He got knocked the fuck out on this play. Debo, it was like at the end of the movie on Friday. It was like when Debo fought Craig. Debo Samuel got hit with a fucking cinder block on this play. Uh, he was slow getting up. He got up. Then he collapsed. You know, he got the wind knocked out of him. Fortunately, nothing too serious on that play. He got banged up in this game, though. That brother gave everything he had. He put his body and his life on the line for the 49ers to win this game. That's a warrior, man. I can't – I say it all the time, man. I can't say enough about that guy. Uh, but the drive stalls out, results in the Robbie Gold field goal. But that's, that's progress. That's points. We scored. We're on the board. Midway or at the beginning of the third quarter – the 49ers have finally scored. It's 7-3 Green Bay. Not a whole lot happened after that in the third quarter. Tough defensive football game. Both defenses making plays. Give credit to the Green Bay Packers defense as well for the plays they were making, how well they played in this game. They That defense of Green Bay has deserved to win the game. Their offense let them down, and the biggest reason their offense let them down was the 49er defense. They kept making plays. They were flying around to the football. And even when Green Bay put together a drive at the end of the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter, they're in the red zone. It's third down. And Rodgers gets sacked by Eric Armstead, who was really coming to his own the last two months of the season. Ever since the move was made to move Armstead to the interior line, off the outside edge and inside, he's been a game wrecker. That 49er defense is stronger than a single black mother trying to raise five kids by herself. And Eric Armstead has been one of the biggest reasons for that 49er defense being so strong and being so tough and just dismantling any and every offense they encounter, including this high-powered, explosive Green Bay Packer offense. Big-time sack forces the Packers to have to settle for a field goal. Now it's 10-3, and little did we know, that would be the end of the scoring for the Green Bay Packers in this game. 10-3 Packers, and that was it for them. They were quiet for the rest of the game. They were done scoring for the rest of the night. But unfortunately, the Niner offense just couldn't get anything going. They were stuck in the mud. They couldn't gain any traction. Going into the fourth quarter, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy who everyone tells me is the answer for the 49ers, and he's the reason why the Niners win games. People have the audacity to tell me this ignorant nonsense. Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone's favorite quarterback, was 6 out of 13, 76 yards, no touchdowns in one pick at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And at this point, myself and many other Niners fans are asking the question, you mean you tell me Trey Lance can't do any worse than this you mean tell me like maybe we should make a change at the quarterback position maybe we should bring the rookie in to inject some life into the 49er offense and get something going provide a spark if anything get a quarterback who can move around and show some mobility and put some stress on that Packer defense because Jimmy like I said before was a statue he was he was 
in the pocket with concrete cement shoes on. He wasn't going anywhere. Rashawn Gary continued to destroy and dismantle Tom Compton, the right tackle. I kept wondering, why don't we chip outside? Why don't we send Juszczyk or Kittle, I don't know, Ross Dwelle, anybody, Charlie Warner, give Tom Compton some help out there because desperately he needs it. Clearly he needs it. He is out there getting cleaned up. He's out there getting the mud hole stomped in them and walked dry by Rashawn Gary. And Garoppolo just couldn't escape the pressure for the majority of the night. And the offense is doing nothing. And the, the fear and the doubt kept creeping into my mind of how much longer can this defense stand up? How much longer can this defense continue to keep that Packer offense out of the end zone? At some point or another, this 49er offense is going to have to score some points. They're going to have to get a touchdown. And the way Jimmy Garoppolo's playing right now, we're not going to do that. He's not going to lead us into the end zone. He's playing like shit. No other way to put it. The awful interception at the end of the first half, missing guys, and just, just being ineffective. He had two passes in this game where he tried to throw it out into the flat. That should have been a pick six. Should have gone the other way. This noodle-armed, soft, weak, emasculated, emaciated, anemic throws out into the flat that if the Green Bay defender had been looking at the football instead of trying to make a big hit, they could have easily picked this ball off and gone the other way untouched for a touchdown. I mean, the guy just wasn't playing well. And I know, I know a lot of Niner fans get upset when people like me call this out, trust and believe, I'm a 49er fan. I said this time and time again. I'm also an honest person. I'm also a person who believes in accountability and calling what I see. Jimmy Garoppolo was not playing well. And this offense wasn't going anywhere. And the defense could only hold up for so long or so I thought. The defense was better than what I thought. Like I said, stronger than a single black mother trying to raise five kids. They held up. They showed toughness. They showed heart. They showed resiliency. Even in spite of their offense's futility, in particular, the quarterback, the starting quarterback's futility, this defense continued to hold up and make plays and make this game close and keep it a one-score, one-possession game and keep the Niners in striking distance. But then in the fourth quarter, the Niners begin to put together a drive and Jimmy shows some signs of life. Throws a nice pass over the middle to George Kittle, who, as I said earlier, as I said throughout the entire game, was open the entire game. He was more open than a 7-Eleven in Japan. He stayed open. George Kittle was always open the entire game. And finally, Jimmy found him across the middle. First down, 49ers. Debo Samuel with a nice run out the backfield. Then Jimmy hits Jawan Jennings on a nice in-breaking route across the middle. This was on third down, and unfortunately, this was one yard short of picking up a first down. So now it's fourth and one. You're down 10 to three. You got to make something happen. It's the fourth quarter. The clock is ticking. How many more possessions are you going to get in this game? Your season's on the line for the third game in a row. The 49ers season is on the line in the fourth quarter. The Niners have basically been in the playoffs ever since week 18 versus the Rams. This is it. You got to score. You can't just you can't settle for a field goal. You can't do anything else. You have to get a touchdown right here. You got to make something happen. So the Niners rightfully go forward on fourth and one. Unfortunately, the play call was, in my opinion, horrendous. 
We line up in a heavy formation, and for the second week in a row, we motion Trent Williams. Now, you already put this on tape last week against Dallas. Green Bay, Matt LaFleur flat out admitted it, that they've been game planning for the 49ers before the Cowboy game. They anticipated that the Niners were going to beat the Cowboys and be their opponent in this divisional round game. They've been scouting and game planning for the 49ers for over a week. So you already put this on tape. Then on fourth down and goal, fourth down and one, in short yardage situations, you like the motion Trent Williams for what reason I don't fucking know. And typically Shanahan will do things like that to run some other action off of that. And what I mean by that is what I was anticipating was if you're going to motion Trent Williams and you know you already put that on tape, why not run a hard play fake to the left, to the, to, yeah, to the left, and then come back, I'm sorry, to the right, and then come back to the left and dump it off to either check or Kittle or someone like that. I mean, just to give it to Elijah Mitchell, everyone knows something like that's coming. Maybe a quarterback sneak. Maybe it was fourth and one. It was a full one. I, I don't know. I don't really like the play call. Like I said, you already put that on tape that you're going to motion Trent Williams. The defense kind of expects it. They know it's coming. Then when they see it happen, they're ready for what's going to happen. They know it's going to be a running play to Elijah Mitchell, and it got blown up in the backfield. And the Niners' drive came to a screeching halt at the 19-yard line. And now this is when the doubt really starts to creep in. This is when it's like, oh, no, the season is ending. This, this great season, after a 3-5 and five start, this team battled and fought and showed what they were made of to get to this point in the first place. Now I've already kind of resigned myself to the fact that it might be over. This might be the last game of the season. I'm, I'm going to give this team credit for fighting back from the deficit they found themselves in early in the season, for showing the heart and the resiliency and all that shit. And then just I was getting ready to come on here and just blast Garoppolo like I normally do and, you know, just do my thing and just say what I need to say or say what needs to be said because in the back of my mind, it, like I said, the doubt's starting to creep in. Like maybe this is not our night. We can't even score. We can't convert third and fourth downs. We can't make any progress offensively. We can't do shit. The defense, though, the defense, D'Amico Ryans and those brothers kept the game close and kept the Niners in the game. I can't say enough. I cannot be effusive enough in my praise of the San Francisco 49er defense. The defense, as the old adage goes, defense wins championships. I hope. That's the case for the 49ers this season because that defense deserves to be rewarded for the work and the effort and the play and the demonstration of masculinity that they've put in throughout this entire playoff run and down the stretch in the regular season. That defense is incredible. But here now, here now is where things get very interesting. The Packers get the ball. There's about 6-11 on the clock when they got the ball. And you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Throw Rogan, you got Immunized Aaron, you got Q Aaron, you got the presumptive NFL League MVP, the greatest thrower of the football we've ever seen. You got that guy, right? It's Stephen A. Smith. As Step and Fetch A. Smith always says, that's a bad man. You got a bad man on your team, right? You're up 10 to 3. You're at home. It's the fourth quarter. The snow is falling. Snow is descending from the heavens. Lambeau Field, zero degrees. Everything's set up for you to go close this game out and win and move on to the next round. 
put together a drive, then run clock, and at least get a field goal out of this and make it a two-possession game, as pathetic as the 49er offense was, that would have been enough. That would have ended this football game. Jimmy Garoppolo was not going to overcome a 10-point deficit with less than five or four minutes to go. Put together a drive and end this football game. You're Aaron Rodgers. you got Devontae Adams on the outside, arguably the best receiver in pro football. There are no excuses There are no excuses for this. Aaron Jones, Lazard, Valdez Scantling, everything is in your favor. Go finish the game, Aaron. Go close it out. This is your moment. This is your time. Everything Everything is lined up for you to go be the man right now, to go prove to everyone that you are that dude. You're the baddest motherfucker in the league. What happens? Green Bay goes a three and out. Green Bay Packers put up a three and out, culminating in a sack, the second sack of the game by my guy, number 91 from the University of Oregon, Eric Armstead. Eric spelled with an A, A-R-I-K, Armstead. That brother, I'm, that's another guy, man. I got to apologize to him, too. I was one of the people saying that we should have kept the Forrest Buckner and we should have got rid of Armstead. The Armstead's only good season was a byproduct of playing alongside Buckner and Bosa in D4 in 2019. I must apologize. Eric Armstead, I am sorry. I humbly, sincerely apologize, my brother. I am sorry. I owe you maybe a handwritten apology for the way you've played in the last two months of this season. Grown-ass man football from number 91, Eric Armstead, and sacks and flattens Aaron Rodgers to finish this drive and set the wheels in motion for the game-turning play. The moment of the season for the San Francisco 49ers. This was it. This is the biggest moment to this point. Hopefully there's something else after this in the conference championship game and maybe and hopefully the Super Bowl. But to this point, this was the biggest moment of the season. What came after the Eric Armstead sack on Aaron Rodgers. It's 4th and 19. It's 4th and 19. 4 minutes and 50 seconds left to go in this football game. Green Bay Packers 10, San Francisco 49ers 3. And in the back of my mind, and as I'm saying to the brothers in the group chat that I'm in, Jimmy Garoppolo, all we need is one drive. Just channel your inner Week 18 versus the LA Rams. Do what you did versus them. I know you got it in you. You're an NFL quarterback. I know you're capable of doing something not asking for much. I'm asking you to be competent. They're going to punt the ball, matching the 49ers. I need you to do something. I need Debo Samuel to be Debo Samuel. We got to get this. This game is in striking distance. The Niners can win this game. The Niners should win this game. For all intents and purposes, they've outplayed the Green Bay Packers in this game. Green Bay didn't do anything special outside the first drive of this game. That defense has to be. That defense had to be rewarded with a victory tonight. So I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, we're going to get the ball back, and we're going to see what Jimmy Garoppolo's made of. Something's got to happen. Intestinal fortitude is going to be shown on this next drive. And then a miracle takes place. Can you believe it? The 49ers special teams, the 49ers special teams that has been lambasted and ridiculed and mocked and derided by me and other people. I've also called for the firing of Richard Hightower, Special teams coordinator for the 49ers. The special teams for the 49ers has been non-existent or fucking terrible all season long. But look what happened. We ran into a team with an even worse special teams than us. 
Jordan Willis gets through. Jordan Willis, of all people, blocks the punt. The ball goes in the air. Every man on the field is looking up into the sky to figure out where this football is. The ball then falls out of the sky like one of the snowflakes that was beginning to cover the field. And Telenoa Hafunga finds the football, picks it up, and runs it in for a touchdown. My reaction, I jumped out my skin. That's not physically possible, but I somehow did it. I was jubilant, overjoyed. I couldn't believe what the fuck I was seeing. I'm yelling at the TV. I'm pointing at the football as it's laying on the ground as if these motherfuckers can see or hear me. I'm saying, pick it up. It's right there. The ball's on the ground. It's right there. Pick it up. Run it in. Go, go, go. Score. And then Hafunga does exactly that, and I'm fucking losing my mind. I'm going ape shit. I've never snorted coke before, but I imagine that's what it feels like. That kind of rush, that kind of high, that kind of just adrenaline and emotion. Like I was, my skin was itching. I had goosebumps. I'm like, oh my God, they've tied the game. After the offense was putrid the entire night, they've tied this football game. It's 10-10 inside of four minutes to go in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. And in that moment, when that kick was blocked by Jordan Willis and the Niners recovered it for a touchdown, the gravity was sucked out of Lambeau Field. They were deflated. That team and their fan base, all those cheeseheads were deflated. Someone took a shit in all of their cereal in that moment. They were done. The game ended on that play. There's certain plays that happen in the game that just speak volumes, that are more impactful than others. A football game is is like a boxing match. That was a body blow. The Niners have been hitting them with consecutive body blows, softening them up, hanging around the fight. They hadn't got the knockout punch yet. That was a knockout punch. That was an overhand right. That was 1986 Mike Tyson scoring an uppercut to knock the Green Bay Packers the fuck out. They were punch drunk for the rest of the game. They barely answered the referee's standing eight count. They were out. They were done. That play finished the game. Jordan Willis and Talanoa Hafunga ended that football game. Even though the scoreboard might have said it's 10-10, it's a tie game. Both teams had the same amount of points. In all reality, in all intents and purposes, that game ended on that punt block. That was special. That play will go down in 49er lore as one of the greatest plays in 49er history. It's reflective of a team that just keeps finding ways to win. They keep finding ways to get shit done. 53 men, as I said earlier. It's a team in every sense of the word, in the truest sense of the word. This is a team. Together, everyone achieves more. This is a team. A collective, a group of men all working together in a cohesive fashion to get some shit done. That's the DNA and the identity of the 2021 San Francisco 49ers. That was magical. Next Green Bay possession. Here we go. Once again, NFL League MVP. Probably going to be the MVP. Aaron Rodgers, all world, the greatest thrower the football we've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. He has the ball in his hands. Okay, it's 10-10. Same thing, all the same circumstances exist. At home, Lambeau, snow, coldest shit outside. 
You're the guy. Go win this game, dude. It's 10-10. You still got time? Plenty of time on the clock. About four and a half minutes to go. Four minutes, maybe. Plenty of time. You're Aaron Rodgers. Is, was this a conspiracy or something? Did Dr. Fauci or Joe Biden have something to do with your overall failure in this game? Aaron Rodgers, throw Rogan. Go win the game, my dude. Don't turn around and have a three and out. Ooh, but that's what you did. That's what you did. Third and 11. Try to take a shot down the field to Devontae Adams, but he's double covered. And the ball falls to the ground. Once again, like the snowflakes, there were so many people online who wanted to blame the Green Bay Packers special teams for this loss. No. No, 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 no. Do not let this man off the hook. Hold him accountable. Call him the fuck out. Not one, but two drives in the fourth quarter where you could have put this game away or given your team the lead after it was tied up to 10. You could have finished and ended this game. You're Aaron Rodgers. People told me you were in the GOAT conversation. People had the unmitigated gall, the temerity to tell me that you were the greatest quarterback of all time as if Thomas Edward Patrick Brady just didn't exist. People had the overall stupidity to tell me that you were the, you were the greatest quarterback of all time with one lonely-ass Super Bowl championship 12 years ago. Meanwhile, there's a motherfucker with seven playing in the same exact era that you play with, but people want to tell me that you, with one championship, is better than that guy who has seven goddamn championships. People are fucking crazy. The average person is walking around with CTE. Too many stupid-ass people out here. Apologize to Tom Brady. There's too many people out here who owe Tom Brady an apology. Give him a 500-word handwritten essay of an apology. How dare you assert that Aaron Rodgers is on the same planet as Tom Brady? This dude's a loser when it matters most. You put him on center stage, he pisses himself. He's a loser. He's a fraud. Aaron Rodgers is a fraud. A big, fat, phony. You're a phony. A big, fat, phony. If you're the guy, if you're everything that everyone tells me that you are, you seize control in this game, you take your team down the field, fuck what you got going on with your special teams, you're the highest paid guy on the team, you complain, you cry, you bitch and moan all offseason, you threaten to retire, you, you came back, you talked about this is the last dance, like you're Michael Jordan or something, you're not. You're not Jordan, you're not Brady, you're not on that level, you're not. You openly lied about being vaccinated. You told people, well, I got immunized. You had a cavalier attitude about it. You're walking around with no mask. You're a McAfee, Pat McAfee show every fucking Tuesday, talking about how the media is out to get you and all these snowflakes and the woke cancel culture and people are trying to silence you. Who's trying to silence you, Aaron? You got a weekly platform on Pat McAfee's show every Tuesday. You're doing 30-minute interviews on NFL Network and SportsCenter and everywhere else and local TV in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Who's trying to silence you? Get this persecuted white boy the fuck out of here, man. Let's be serious about this. The media crushed Kyrie Irving for his stance on COVID-19 and how he doesn't want to get vaccinated and how he's going to be a part-time ba basketball player. In particular, two people who are black on the exterior, Charles Barkley and Stephen Feche Smith, crucified Kyrie Irving to this day. Deontay Wilder voice to this day on a repeated basis 
They make it a point of emphasis to go after Kyrie Irving to do the bidding of the people, of the white people who own them on the networks they work for. They crush Kyrie Irving every day, but they're quieter than a mouse pissing on cotton about Aaron Rodgers. He's allowed to get away with being a jackass, and no one calls it out enough. And here he is in the biggest moment of the season, this front-running fraud, choking, shitting the bed, and not getting the job done when everyone told me this motherfucker is the best quarterback they ever seen. Shut the fuck up. Seven and nine in the playoffs since that lonely ass Super Bowl championship 12 years ago. Seven and nine. I don't want to hear the excuses. The defense was good enough tonight. How come he didn't win? Anywho, back to the game. Niners have the football. Nice throw by Jimmy Garoppolo over, to middle, over the middle to George Kittle, who was open the entire game, as I already pointed out. Uh, nice run by Elijah Mitchell and a toss play to get to the outside, pick up some yards. Another nice throw to Debo Samuel to pick up some yards. Then we get to a third and seven. And here, we, here it is, the second biggest play of the game. Maybe this is a bigger play than the punt block. I don't know, but this, this is a huge play. It goes without saying. Third and seven is all on the line right now. And they hand off to Debo Samuel. Why not? Put the ball in the hands of your best player. You can't trust Jimmy Garoppolo in this moment, but I know a guy you can trust, Debo Samuel. Put the ball directly in his hands. Don't fuck around. Don't let Jimmy throw it in this situation. Just give it to Debo Samuel and let Debo Samuel do Debo Samuel things. And what do you know? He picks up a first down on third and seven as a running back out the backfield. Give this man a medal. Give this man whatever he wants. He's coming up for a contract extension. I've said this before. Jed York should just give Debo Samuel a blank check and say, brother, you go ahead and fill it in. I'll give you whatever you want. You can have your own private jet. We'll rename the stadium after you. We'll give you your own statue. We'll induct you into the 49er Ring of Honor already. Whatever you want. We'll, we can rename the team, the San Francisco Debos. Who fucking cares? Whatever you want, you can have it. You are the man. And it's not just the fact that he picked up the first down. It's the time in which he did it. There's a minute on the clock when he picks up the first down. And if we go back in time to week three when the Niners played against the Green Bay Packers, the Niners took the lead in that game late and left 37 seconds on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. And he took them down the field, took Green Bay down the field, and then kick a last-second field goal. It's like 28-27 49ers. They kick a last-second field goal to go up 30-28, to 28, and that was the final score, and they win the game. You left Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds to go in the regular season when he's effective, and you left him with 37 seconds to go, and he did what he had to do, and Green Bay won the football game. So it was pivotal that Debo pick up that first down, or someone pick up that first down, but it ended up being Debo with a minute left in the game, and here we are, and we're able to run clock and get it down to four seconds. And now Robbie Gold, he's as cold, he's as gold as ice, comes out. He's never missed a kick in the, in the playoffs. He kicked in Chicago for a bunch of years. He's used, he's used to kicking in inclement weather and poor weather conditions and cold and snowy and ice and all that shit in the Midwest. And he comes out there with ice water running through his veins and drills a 47-yard field goal to send the San Francisco 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Who would have thought 
I'm not going to sit there and lie and say that I saw this coming two, three months ago. I didn't. But I'm happy it's happened. I'm happy that we're here. And that game was one of the best games I've ever seen. If you want action, if you want drama, if you want suspense, if you want to be on the edge of your seat, if you want a plot, if you want storylines, if you want characters, an antagonist, and a protagonist, and you want it in a pure, authentic way that's not manufactured, then you need to watch sports. Fuck movies, fuck TV shows. You need to watch sports. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, boxing, whatever the case may be. You need to watch sports. And in particular, you need to watch NFL playoff football. All four games this weekend were magical. We're down to the wire and we're just awesome football games. It was theater to watch. Cincinnati and Tennessee, San Francisco and Green Bay, Buffalo and Kansas City, Tampa and the L.A. Rams. This, but this Niner game is the game I pay the most attention to. This is my favorite football team. This game had everything, an old-school rivalry, too. I forgot to mention that part. You know, I hate the Packers. I don't mind saying that. I hate, I hate the Cowboys. The Packers, like, number two on my NFL shit list. I can't stand the Green Bay Packers. Fuck them. This team beat the Niners in the 95, 96, 97, and 2001 NFC playoffs and ended our season. I can't stand the Green Bay Packers. I never liked Brett Favre growing up. I barely like him now. I didn't like, you know, Marshall Moore, the tight ends, a fucking pedophile, Dorsey Levins, Edgar Bennett, Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks. Couldn't stand any of those motherfuckers. Leroy Butler, I liked him. No, he's a good player. Reggie White, rest in peace. Can't say anything bad about him, but... For the most part, you know, couldn't fuck Green Bay. Couldn't stand these motherfuckers growing up. Gilbert Brown, that big fat ass nose tackle they had, like fucking 700 pounds, whatever he was. Couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand any of these people. Santana Dotson, Sean Jones, you go on down the list. I couldn't stand the Green Bay Packers growing up. They ended our season four times. We finally got them in 98 with the catch part two from Steve Young to Terrell Owens in the wild card game to finally beat them. And then, you know, the past 12 years in the Aaron Rodgers era, in the throw Rogan era, we've, we've owned them. Like I said, we're 4-0 against the Green Bay Packers, against Aaron Rodgers. Destroyed this team with my man Colin Kaepernick out there setting records. 263 in the air, 181 on the ground. Going into Lambeau Field, beating them 23-20 a year later. Cap out there sleeveless. In the cold, in the elements. He's from that. He's from Milwaukee. Out there destroying Green Bay. 2019 NFC Championship game. Raheem Mostert running like a slave to the north. All over the Green Bay Packers. Up 27-0 at one point in that game. Held on to win 37-20. So this is a rivalry. This is football. And the aesthetic of that game. With the snow falling. In Lambeau Field. A historic venue. The uniforms the teams are wearing. This looked like football. The Packers uniforms, that green and that yellow. It's a nice uniform. I won't take that away from him. Nice uniform. And the Niners have a better uniform with the white top and the gold pants and the red numbers and the red letters. It looked like football on Sunday night. Big time game. Big stage. Fox, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, the whole world watching. Saturday night football. Does it get any better than that? Can you ask for any more than that? What more do you want? What more can I say? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Isn't this why you were here? This is football.
Packers and 49ers in the playoffs a week after 49ers and Cowboys? We've already beaten the two teams I hate the most in the playoffs. We're playing with house money. But now the Niners are, are in the NFC Championship game since we've already come this far. Just go ahead and win the motherfucker. I mean, you're already in the conference championship game. And I will do a preview of that game uh, later on this week whenever I have time. But you're in the NFC Championship game. You're one step away from playing in the eighth Super Bowl in franchise history. You've already come this far. Just go ahead and win the motherfucker. We need better quarterback play from Jimmy Garoppolo to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that at some point he's going to have to play better football. At least throw a touchdown pass. Can we do that? Can we start with that first? At some point, Jimmy has to play better and cleaner and more consistent football than what he's played the first two games. But we'll deal with that later. At this moment, I will bask in the glory of that win. Fuck the Green Bay Packers and fuck Aaron Rodgers. And the 49ers are moving on to the NFC Championship game. My favorite football team has a game this Sunday. How about yours? With all that being said, that concludes this edition of the Deion Gordon Podcast, NFC Championship Game edition of the Deion Gordon Podcast. The Niners are moving on. Thank you so much for listening. Eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative. Until next time, picture me rolling. Picture the Green Bay Packers rolling. They're out, and I'm out. Thank you so much for listening.